Okay, back to what we're talking about today, which is um, Treasures of the Transformed Life. I want to welcome you folks that are coming today. We've been working on this book, um, Treasures of the Transformed Life, during Lent. We've been reading a chapter a day and discussing each week. The chapters are divided into sections, and we're on section four today. And I was kind of curious who would come to church, because if you've been, did you read the book? Did y'all read it? You know what you're getting today? What are we going to talk about today? Money. Yay! So I was kind of curious what people were going to do. I thought, you know, people might not come to church today because nobody likes the stewardship service. Hello! And we actually have um, a number of families are missing today, but none of them are missing because they didn't want to talk about stewardship. There's just, it's just a weird vacation day where they have four couples and families off visiting relatives elsewhere. But with our little church, we notice when they're gone. But they're all going to get their stewardship servants when they get back. And as you know, I've been struggling also because I've been trying to, in our church, we are appointed lessons for each Sunday. So we read according to the, what's called the common lectionary um, that most of the churches, Presbyterian, Reformed, Methodist, we all read the same text. And that ensures that over the three-year cycle, we hear everything. And so I really like to keep with that program. And so, so far it's worked out that... The lessons that actually were appointed for the day kind of worked with what we were going to talk about. And then we come to the day. And the raising of Lazarus in stewardship. I thought, well, that's interesting. How do those two things intersect? What could being brought from death to life have to do with stewardship. Now, you also need to know that with this transformed living thing that we're doing, I also have a little sermon ideas for the week. So then I'm trying to pull those, trying to pull the book, little sermon ideas that they've been given, and the gospel text together to talk about something. Not always easy, and it was not easy this week until I actually started to really think about it. And the thing that really struck me in this book um, was about putting God to the test. Did you read that section? Now, normally, when we talk about putting God to the test, it's not something that we recommend, right? Do not test the Lord your God, right? We've all heard that. Not a good thing to do. But, you know, don't you want to? Don't you want to? Don't you want to know that our God is a real God? A real, living, alive, engaged God who is part of our life. Don't you want to be Mary and Martha? 
to get to call upon Jesus and say, our brother is dying. Please come. Don't you want to have that option? Um, you know, I did. I designed the logo, and we did that embroidery out there that you can order shirts. Um, and I'm also, because Hannah's trying to raise money to go to Blue Lake, I designed a little Norse logo for us to do. And the woman that owns that, Tammy, her name is Tammy Why Not, happens to have um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is the same kind of cancer that my brother died from. And yesterday, I was talking to her sister on the phone who's managing the um, business while Tammy's off getting treatment. And I hate to say, you know, it came out of my mouth the first, oh, that's why cancer my brother had. And then you know what their question is. How did he do? Yeah. So, I know from talking to her, I know, you know, things have changed. And Hannah was baby, but few years ago, things have changed. You know, treatments have changed. And I have that blessing to say to them. But I also know the pain that they're going through. And I would have given anything to call upon Jesus to come and save my brother. Because I love him. And truthfully, I love him a lot more than my other brother did. I didn't love him more, but I lo- we were closer. But he was my everything. He was my. He was 13 years old when I was born, and he was my hero. And so I felt his absence terribly. So, like Mary and Martha, I get it. I get it about calling Jesus, and I get it that he waited two days to come. And I get it that. They're talking about the anger welling up within Jesus. Heck, that would be nothing compared to the anger welling up within me. That he didn't show up, Johnny, on the spot when I needed him to save my brother. I get that. I get that urge, that strong desire for Jesus to do something. To make something happen. And the truth is, we don't have a lot of opportunities. We don't have a lot of those moments. You know? We don't have, thankfully, some of us do, but, you know, not all the time, life or death moments, right? For God to take action in our lives, to do something magnificent, except that we do. Except that we do. Because there's something that is central and pivotal to our lives every day that God can do something about. And truth be told, that's money. You know, as John Ed, this Baptist Methodist Southerner, who's preaching to us in the class, and if you'd like to watch the, I don't know if this is my John Ed, who's doing these little videos for us, and that 
great Alabaman, Alabamian playing at this. Who's talking about it? And he points out, like I'm sure you've heard in a bazillion stewardship sermons before, that what does Jesus talk the most about in the gospel? Money, right? Out of any other topic, Jesus talks about money. One of the questions he answered in Sunday school today was, why? Why does Jesus talk about money? Because it is, truth be told, honest to God, one of the central, pivotal focus, hokai, of our lives. We spend time making money, saving money, collecting money, spending money, collecting the things money can buy, or not spending the things money can buy, investing it, utilizing it, worrying about it, being glad we have it or don't have it. Face it, money spent is a lot of our time. We spend time on money. A lot of time. We spend about as much time on money as we spend money. And so Jesus wants you to be right about it. And one of the most interesting things in this book to me that honestly, you know, I like to think I have nothing left to learn about the faith. Because he was talking about putting Jesus to the test about money. And I started to think about Lazarus and Mary and Martha and how Jesus says in this text, this is a place, this incidence with Lazarus is a place for the glory of God to be revealed. And then I thought, if Money is a place to put God to the test. And how is it that that is a place for the glory of God to be revealed? Interesting question, isn't it? Isn't it? How can the glory of God be revealed in what I do with my money? Denise answered it. Stay. <laughs> Don't your eyes. She talked about it a couple weeks ago. But she says, until you start tithing, you just don't get it. Until you start tithing, you just don't get what happens. God's benefits start flowing all over you. Life just becomes better. It becomes freer. This week, Hannah talked to me about wanting to live in a trailer. And I talked to her about this outdoor ministry I did down south where they had for that summer a little tiny trailer for me to live in. And I said, you know, that was one of the funnest summers I had in this little trailer. Because I couldn't have any stuff. 
And all the stuff I had had to fit in these little bins. Those little, I also told her how when you go and buy a trailer, it's a very funny experience. Because when you go to buy a trailer, they always are going, see the maple cupboards? These are maple dovetailed hinges on these cupboards. And they keep showing you the cupboards. The rest of the trailer is going to fall apart, but you got maple dovetailed cupboards. Just like they think the only thing women care about are dovetailed cornered maple cupboards. Little do they know that I won't. I'm traveling, I'm not cooking, so I could care less about cupboards, but this is always funny, they're always banging open cupboards, but it was fun to be in that trailer because it was freeing. It was freeing to not have to worry about stuff. It was all there and compact and concise and there. It's freeing to tie. It's so freeing to time because you don't have to worry about it anymore. You just know 10% off the top. It goes to God. Just what it is. And then that's where the glory comes in because all of a sudden you realize that, one, I don't miss it. Two, I have way more than I thought I did. And three, my priorities have changed. And four, it feels great to go in the flow of God. It feels great to be going with the current of how God wants to live my life, wants me to live my life. We don't have a lot of choices for that, all right? The world is complicated. Ethical questions are complicated. Stem cell research is complicated. Abortion is complicated. Capital punishment is compl complicated. War is complicated. Divorce is complicated. Every major issue, how you treat your neighbor, is complicated. Poverty is complicated. Owning a home is complicated. What work we do is complicated. Is there anything in our lives that is not complicated? That is not a, both a black and white issue. How we raise our children, spank or don't spank. Schools, homework, we help with homework, we make it do, the, do it on the own. Internet, television watching. I mean, every issue in life is complicated. You get that? Tithing is not complicated. It is the most freeing, uncomplicated, easiest thing to do, and it is a place where we can say to God, all right, God, I'm going to do my part. Now you show up. I'm going to do my part. You do the rest. And show me what happens. Stewardship is the best place to have an uncomplicated, easy, powerful relationship with God. Where you say, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to choke on it. It's not going to be easy. I have to be honest, this week's a hard one for me. I didn't get a paycheck all of February. 
So now, or anyway, however it worked out, I got a paycheck this week, and it's a double, a little extra. So instead of the 10% that of that that I normally put in, I'm putting in double. I'm coughing a little bit on that check. Um, because I'm just done. Because it's bigger. We're talking about Barry Sanders in here today. In the book, did you read that about Barry Sanders who tied 10% of his signing bonus? $200,000? That's a check to Toka. And how many of us say those big checks? If we tie this, the church, that's too much to give the church. That's that's too much. That's a ridiculous amount of money to give the church. Yeah, ridiculous till you see the lives that get changed because of it. Ridiculous till you see the priorities that get reset in your life. Ridiculous to the point where you see God changing you, transforming you from the inside out because you dare to do it. To be honest, this week, I'm scared to write this chapter. I'll be honest with you. It says in the book about the guy that said, he said that he had to show up on Friday. He said, I need to come over right now. And the pastor said, what's wrong? I just, I need, can't you come a little later? I'm busy. No, I need to come right now. Can't you come? Well, can we do it? No, I need to come now. And he needed to come now. Why? Because he had this investment, and he knew it was Friday. And he knew if he waited till Sunday, Satan was going to talk him out of sending that check to church. Satan would say, that's too much money to give to church. Satan would say, you got kids that you need to take care of. God is not going to take care of you. Right? But you got to do it. And I'm sharing with this with you because I want you to know that I think God will provide. And God will be done. And God will work glory. Not just in me, but in you. You want to be alive like Lazarus? You want to be free from those claws of death. The things of the world that linger upon you. That make you feel icky and squirrely. That make you feel tied up and tense. Here's a phrase to let go. We're going to sing one of my favorite hymns. I don't know about you. Southern Harmony. What wondrous love is this? Please. 